Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what joy to face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark at the people. Welcome back, everyone. Today we have an interview guest for y'all, something a little bit uh, different uh, from what we've been doing recently. Um, Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook Arthur Ashley Strickland Freeman. If it isn't abundantly clear already, the one thing that Boss and I might love as much as the dogs is eating. <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley is just a great combination of both of those things. Not only is she a DGD, but she is also an accomplished um, author, food stylist. Um, she is a chef. She's been to culinary school, um, just has some really neat stories, uh, has done a lot of traveling. So all of her travels have influenced what she likes to cook and the recipes in the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook. And I mean, come on, y'all. We're from the South. Dukes is the king, okay? King of condiments. So um, please go out and support her and buy the cookbook. It's fantastic. Um, I have been essentially just cooking my way through it for the last month or so. And the stuff in there is, is awesome. I've posted some of the stuff on on our Instagram. Uh, so please go follow Ashley. Her Instagram handle is just at Ashley Strickland Freeman. Um, we will link that in our show notes and we'll also link in the show notes all the places that you can get the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook so you can get everything ready for, for tailgating season. I'm sure a lot of us will be doing at-home tailgates this year. So a lot of stuff in there that'll that'll help you out on that front. And uh, she was kind enough to pass along a couple of the recipes from the cookbook that we can share with y'all as well. So we will do that on Instagram this week and also probably pop those in the show notes as well. So uh, here is our interview with Ashley Strickland Freeman, author of the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook. We are really excited to be joined by Ashley Strickland Freeman today. Ashley is a Georgia grad. She got her journalism degree from the University of Georgia before going on and getting her degree in culinary arts from the French Culinary Institute in New York City. Uh, she was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. She has spent her professional life uh, in the culinary space. Um, she went from New York after culinary school to Birmingham, Alabama, where she worked in the Oxmoor House Test Kitchens, developing, testing, and food styling recipes for cookbooks for brands like Southern Living, Coastal Living, Cooking Like, Weight Watchers, Betty Crocker, Pillsbury Health, and Gooseberry Patch. Uh, we have her here today, not only because she is a uh, fellow dog, but also because she 
currently has out the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook, which is her third book. Uh, she also wrote uh, Southern Living's Ultimate Book of Barbecue, The Complete Year-Round Guide to Grilling and Smoking, and 28 Days of Clean Eating, The Healthy Way to Kick Dieting Forever. Ashley, thank you so much for hanging out with us and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. So uh, I'll tell everybody quick. I'll tell the listeners quick. Ashley and I are, are, are basically neighbors now. Uh, my, my family recently moved to uh, the Charleston area this past weekend. Uh, and Ashley also makes her home here in the Charleston area. So how, how long have you been in the low country? Um, just about three years. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not, not a bad place to be, but I was telling you before um, when we had emailed that my wife and I had lived here about, about four years, our two oldest kids were born here. If you like eating, like I know you do, then Absolutely. it is a fantastic place to be. It's a great city to be in. Well, so let's start off. I want to talk Dukes with you. Okay. Um, how how did how did that materialize? How did the Dukes Mayonnaise Cookbook come to be? So, um, a dream of mine has always been to write my own cookbook. For years and years, I wrote other people's cookbooks, and um, I met my agent. It's been about four years ago, and at the time she wasn't my agent, but we hit it off and I told her my dream of wanting to write a cookbook. And of course, nowadays um, you have to have a million followers on Instagram or, you know, write a blog that's really popular or have a food network show. And I didn't have any of those. So my agent recommended that I partner with someone that did have a big following um, or potentially a brand um, and the idea didn't really hit me until a couple months later. Um, I was living in Florida at the time, and I just happened to open up my refrigerator, and there was a Duke's mayonnaise jar staring me at the face, and a light bulb went off. So after a little research, I discovered that surprisingly no one had ever written a, a Duke's mayonnaise cookbook before. So um, that was that was my idea and kind of took it from there. Yeah. So then, then how does that work mechanically? Did you have to go talk with the Dukes folks and say, Hey, this is, this is the idea and this is what we think would, would work. And how do you feel about it? How did all that go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because their brand is over a hundred years old and it's a beloved brand. I wanted to do br the brand justice. Um, and I wanted them to, you know, be a big part of the project from the get go. So we spent a long time writing a book proposal um, my agent and I did, and then approached Dukes and they, um, you know, I wanted them to give me my blessing before we approached publishers. So it was a really uh, big collaborative effort um, from the beginning. I let them know my recipe ideas and we bounced off ideas with each other and um, kind of took it from there. So um, that was about a year long process. So in the intro to your cookbook, um, which is awesome because it's kind of like gives, I think, some background of, of who you are and, and where you come from. And I think like a lot of Southerners, um, there's a strong matriarchal lineage to to your love of cooking. Uh, right. I, I share that as well. You know, my my grandmother is the basis of why I love to cook. She had this, uh, I'll stop it, but she had this, she had this like, closet that was like her catch-all closet in her kitchen it had like all her cleaning stuff then it had like 30 11 other things too it was like a typical grandma <laughs> closet you know yeah but she had this green with white polka dots apron that she put on because she was always dressed to the nines every single day uh -huh. and she'd put that apron on to keep herself clean while she was cooking but um just can you talk a little bit about your influences from a culinary perspective and what gave you your love of, of cooking and of food yeah, so uh, my grandmother um, actually grew up on a farm um, in Stilts in Georgia. It's right outside of Statesboro. 
and she grew up with lots of brothers and like breakfast was her favorite meal to this day. She still has like a full out breakfast. And it's usually around like four or five in the morning. Um, that never went away, you know, up early. um, but from an early age, I just loved cooking with my mom. My mom's a good, a great cook too. Um, so I would cook alongside my, my mom and my grandmother. Um, and I just have had a knack for it at a young age. Um, so that's kind of where my start began at like five. <laughs> so one of your, one of the recipes in the cookbook that I've, I've loved is the pimento cheese grits. Oh yeah. Um, and I thought it was neat that you had talked about, cause I've never like heard this before, at least not from my family, but you said that, that grits for your mom were like a catch all, whether you were like oh, yeah. feeling bad or whether you were sad or, or whatever grits. Yeah. Were kinda... The ultimate comfort food. Yeah. 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 So uh, I have a, an, I want to tell you this story about grits cause I, I just think you'll find it funny. So I played a lot of baseball throughout okay. my life. And when I was a kid, I used to go to like camps and stuff. So my parents sent me to a baseball camp at Duke university. Okay. And it was one of these where you like stay overnight and they provide food, breakfast, lunch, dinner type thing. And I grew up in small town Virginia on what we call the sweet tea line. So essentially, you know, below that, if you go to a restaurant, you can just ask for sweet tea, you know, they're going to have it. And then right. above that, you got to say, do y'all have sweet tea? Right. So that's kind of where I was. Well, so I feel like in the upper South grits aren't as prevalent, at least not for my family, they weren't. So I, I was like eight or nine. I go to this camp and it was breakfast, but they had this vat that looked like mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. So I was like, hey, mashed potatoes for breakfast sounds great to me. Yeah. So I like load my plate up with it. Okay. Sit down, take the first bite and it's grits. And my mouth is like, what in the world <laughs> is this? <laughs> so I had the worst relationship with grits for the longest time, but I've come to love them. And it's one of my favorite things to cook now. And like, to your point, it is such a comfort food for me, whether it's a breakfast grit or whether it's, you know, making a, a dinner grit with like a brown gravy or something like that. It's like such a great food. Um, and I feel like with you being grown up in Savannah and then like now living in Charleston, don't you feel like the grit has such, I feel like a power in this part of the country? Totally. People have finally caught on. I mean, it's like, well, people that come here, especially always they're if they're not from the South, they always want to have shrimp and grits. I mean, that's what, you know, we're known for, but um, it's kind of having a moment. Um, Geechee Boy, are you familiar with Geechee yeah, Boy? Yeah, they have, absolutely. Um, they have some really cool different varieties of um, like purple grits, and I think there's unicorn grits or something that that have like the pink and the um, I can't remember the varieties, but um, they look like a rainbow. It's really fun. So it's so interesting you bring that up because uh, I. I watch a lot of like cooking stuff on Netflix and stuff. And I, I'm going to mess up the name of it, but they're doing a, a show right now. Maybe it's like three or four seasons of it, but they're doing essentially like a and E biographies on chefs. And they did one on Sean Brock, who I'm so interested in because he's Is it chef's table. Maybe it's chef's table. I love and, that show. Yeah. So he, he's from Virginia. So I was so compelled to hear his story. And then when my wife and I lived here before, we just fell in love with Husk and like, oh, yes, I was okay. obviously Husk proper. The restaurant is incredible, but like we love the bar and going and get his cheeseburger because I mean, you can't, you can't get in and out on the East coast. And it's a, it's, it's like, from what I read, that was his inspiration. He's like, I love in and out burgers. I can't get one. So I want to make an awesome, awesome burger so I can have that taste whenever I want. <laughs> totally. But, 
so he talked about his like farm to table inspiration. And one of the places that he visits on the biography is Geechee boy. And they showed the purple grits. And I was like, Oh, I have got to get They're some so purple good. grits. <laughs> yeah. I want to try that really bad. Are you sure? So, um, Talk to me a little bit about travel and how that's influenced, not just what you'd like to eat, but I guess your perspective culinarily. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate in that my family traveled ever since I was little. Um, we would go on family trips together and um, really the experiencing the local food was such an important part of our trip. Um, going back to my grandmother, she, um, loves Michelin star restaurants. Like that's an obsession. And so if we were in within like, I mean, even 200 miles of a Michelin star restaurant, like that would be our project for the day is to drive to that restaurant. Um, so I think from a young age, that travel bug kind of, you know, bit me hard. So um, I've always loved to travel and my husband loves to travel too. And he's actually um, a marine biologist And um, his job has taken us all over the world, um, mostly to really cool tropical places. Like we've been to French Polynesia and all over the Caribbean and stuff. Um, And last summer we spent a month or so in um, Panama. So that was cool. But I'm always inspired by the food I eat wherever we travel to. And um, I try to pull in a bunch of those flavors and recipes um, into this book. Um, because surprisingly mayonnaise is like in a lot of different cultures. Um, so that was a good way for me to, to tie in those, you know, maybe people haven't had a bond me before or, um, tostones. Um, there's a lot of recipes in the book that are inspired by my travel. Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause that was, that was something I wanted to talk to you about. I was going through the book and that's the really neat and interesting thing about it. I think, I think in some ways mayonnaise gets pigeonholed, right? Like people oh, totally. are either, either so into mayonnaise as a condiment or, or they hate do, it. do not put it within a hundred feet of me. Right. And I think the beauty of the book and what you've done with it is shown how diverse it is, not just from a dish perspective, but there are some elegant dishes in this book, like things that you could serve in really nice restaurants, in my opinion, like if you wanted to have a, a dinner party, you could have it. Or if you wanted to, as we emailed about, take something to a tailgate, there's stuff right. there. I just think there's such a diversity of recipes in this, which is great because I, I just think it's, it's shining some light on the things you can do with Dukes. Um, now, did you say in your book that uh, you go to um, Kauai and like your mother-in-law yes. takes Yeah. So t- tell me about that because my wife and I honeymoon in Kauai. So I want to talk. Oh, about- okay. So that is like my happy place. Um, yeah. My mother-in-law lives there. She retired there. Um, actually, the year um, I was, I became pregnant with my son. Yeah. Um, and we go there every couple of years. We try to make it at least every other year Um, we were supposed to go this Christmas, but due to the current circumstances, I don't think that's going to happen sadly. So instead we um, flew her here. So she's with her, uh, with us now. Oh, cool! Um, Yeah. But Kauai is just, it's such a neat Island. Um, It's, it's got so much to do. Um, We're very outdoorsy. We love to hike. Um, The food is incredible. Um, Just the overall lifestyle. We just really like it. So laid back. Um, it's just, it's magical there. Does she make her home on the Northern part of the Island or the Southern part? She's in the Southern part. She's in Poipu. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. So the interesting part about Kauai, at least I, I didn't know this until we went, it's just one of these things where you plan the trip and it's like, we just want to go somewhere tropical, right? Somewhere cool. Yeah. And um, when you grow up in the East Coast, I feel like Hawaii just feels like a world away. So Well, it does take a long time to get there. It, it sure does. It sure does. But I will say this, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. Um, we So we flew through San Francisco and I, the, on the way out, I booked it so we would stay the night in San Francisco because my wife had never been to San Francisco. So I like rented a town car because I wanted to kind of show her the city in as short a window as possible because I think that is such an incredible eating town also. Yeah. So, um, but that was, if if we ever went again, that's how we would do it on both legs. We went straight through on the way back. and. Cool. Oh, it was Especially horrendous. with a toddler. I've yeah. Oh, I do not oh, recommend I, it. Oh, you should get a medal for that. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even fathom doing that. Um, but so the, the cool part that I thought about Kauai was like the, it's, it's almost like two separate islands on the same island. Like Waimea Canyon was magnificent. Oh, so cool. oh, it was awesome. And then the northern part of the island is like untouched jungle. I mean, they filmed Jurassic Park and like Raiders of the Lost Ark there. Like it's, it's like totally. so cool. Yeah. Um, and we went to Hanalei Bay and there was this really cool like restaurants. Like I think one of them's the fish house. Oh, yeah. um, and like we did taco night and it turned out that um, a couple of the owners went to William and Mary, which is like where my wife and I did undergrad. So it was like really, really cool. And so um, it was awesome. But uh, I, I just, I found that so interesting. I was reading the book. I was like, Oh, she's, she likes Kauai. This is great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it there. So, uh, we they had some type of bowl that I got there for lunch every single day that was like rice and I don't even know what other flavors. Tuna. Were, it was, was it raw tuna? Well, I would just say that there was it was kind of soupy, but then there was a an, an over easy egg on top. And loco it, loco. It might have been that. It was to die for. Like I, I told my wife, I was like, I'm just gonna eat it every day because I, I can't get this back home. So <laughs> I'm just gonna you. have it every day over here. Yeah, we have our go-to places too. That like as soon as we land, we have to go get a um, ahi poke bowl from the fish market down the road. And I mean, like once again, all of our trips are based around you know where we're gonna eat. So I pretty much have all the restaurants and food laid out before we even get there. Yeah. So I love that. I love in the book, you talk in the book, I don't know if it's in your intro or a different section you talk about. I, it's not often that I'm eating lunch that I'm also not thinking about what we're going to have for oh, dinner. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you that I make sure that it's, you know, you don't eat something too similar at lunch that you're going to have at dinner time. Or yeah. So one of the cool things in the book, just kind of harking back to like the diversity of recipes in here is, um, you talk about some of your travels to to Europe and, and you mentioned going to Rome and finding this place that you ate in Rome and how awesome it was. And like, there's a Pappardelle Bolognese that you have in, in the, in the book, which I, I just think it's, it's so neat, the different things you can do with that. Can we talk about Italy a little bit? I'm a little bit biased. Sure. My, my wife and I both studied abroad in uh, Firenze. So okay. um, yeah, I would love to talk some Italy with you and some of the, the inspirations from your travels in Italy for the cookbook. Okay. Um, yeah, so the actually the Bolognese that you talked about, um, we went to Italy twice, um, I think when I was in high school, and rented a house once in Lucca, hmm. which is near Florence, and then yep. the other place was somewhere in Tuscany, but I can't remember. But it was one of those houses, like, it was around a corner, and you had to honk your horn in case yeah. someone was coming from the yep. other side, so mm-hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't have a collision. Um but it was just, it was so great. So of course, uh, Bolognese was like a big thing. Um, that was a, a positive experience for me. I just, I mean, the, it's just 
my, my grandmother's Bolognese is, is based on that trip. Um, oh, so cool. I, I knew that I wanted to include that if I could. Of course, you don't want to put mayonnaise in pasta sauce. So I was like, I wonder if it would work if I tried it in the pasta. And it it was like an aha moment. It, like, <laughs> it worked. I mean, because, you know, mayonnaise is egg yolks and oil. And yep. usually that's in pasta dough. So Yeah, so we... Um... There's a place in Firenze called Mario's. It's like a little lunch spot near San Lorenzo Market. Okay. And it's one of these places, like a lot of them are in Florence for, or, or in Italy in general, where the menu changes daily based on what they're buying at the market that day. And I, I was just starting to get into food then, and I think Italy kind of pushed it for me. So, so I came from a very um, – my mom was not a big cook, even though my grandma was. Mm-hmm. And – my dad cooks a lot of our meals, but my dad eats no vegetables. So like okay. there's no, Meat there's no, potatoes. yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what I grew up on. <laughs> when I, when I, when I started uh, dating my wife, she, we would go out to eat and she's like, there's just a lot of white on your plate, a lot of starch. <laughs> and um, I got to Italy and it was just a revelation for me because there was such a diversity of not just different foods I had never been exposed to, but also just ingredients and cooking fresh and one of my roommates there took a cooking course. Oh, cool. And so he would come home and test the recipes on us. And it was awesome. And so yeah. I just started being like, you know what? While I'm here, when in Rome, like almost almost literally, yeah. uh, I'm going to eat whatever somebody puts in front of me. And it was awesome. Like, And do, don't you feel like culturally – Italians and Southerners would get on really, really well. Well, they have polenta. I mean, that's grits. Yes, exactly. You know, and I just feel like they are so communal and they so treasure the family dinner table and right. big gatherings. And um, I don't know. I, I just felt like there was a lot of that throughout your book, like a lot of recipes that are centered around because I think in so many ways, and I think you speak to this in the book that that food is a love language. Um, totally. I think I think cooking is a love language, and, and it's certainly become one for me. Uh, I think a lot of people cooking stresses them out, and for me, it's one of those things where it, it's like a release. Totally, me too. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of cooking the past few months. Yeah, so what, that's kind of what I'm interested in is when you are putting together a cookbook like this project. This is a big project. What was what was the time i guess to market like how how long did you have to work to cultivate the recipes and how long did that process take so i came up with the idea in november of 2017 and it was just published in june of 2020 now my situation was a little bit different because i did involve a big brand and for about a year it was like the whole proposal process where we were coming up with you know, what the book book would be about. And I wanted to get everyone on board and, you know, your people have to talk to my people and, you know, all that kind of thing. So uh, that's not typical for a cookbook, but um, once I got the green light, once Grand Central picked up the project, um, I'd say it was probably about a year and a half um, where I, you know, tested the recipes. And I think I started with it with about a hundred and then I whittled, whittled it down to the 75 they're in the book. So, I mean, there were, there were, it was tough to choose. Um, so of, of the 75 that are in the book, which is the one 
let's say that you're most proud of, and I mean this from the perspective of where you went, I don't know if this is going to work with mayonnaise, but then you did it and you're like, this is incredible. Like this, this is changing how I feel about this. And just, you're, you're proud of how it turned out. So I think a real surprise was pie crust for me. Yeah. I, t- I'm kind of a helicopter mom and it, it does. I do the same thing when it comes to like baking. Uh, that's why baking's not, if I could choose between making something savory or making something sweet, I would always choose the savory just because you don't have to measure and, you know, you don't spend an hour and a half doing something for only for it to like turn out awful. Right. So for me, um, in the past pie crust, like I would just come out with like the toughest dough and would never be happy with it. But, um, when I tried mayonnaise and pie crust, it like came out so flaky. Um, and that's how I make pie crust now. I mean, it's just a really fun aha moment. That's a really good point. So I bake a lot now too, because I've just like gotten into breads and stuff. It's just interesting I to me. I make bread now. That's, yeah. That's something. Like all this, I just feel like the science with it is so interesting, like yeah. doing sourdoughs and things like that. And you're right. Like baking could be a really frustrating enterprise because you could work so hard on it. And then you, it comes out and you're like, this is not Man. nearly as good as it should yeah. be for the amount of time yeah. that I just spent on this. <laughs> right. Um, well, so tell me a little bit about, I guess your path to UGA and your time there, like growing up in Georgia was UGA where you always wanted to go or were you considering other places? Like how how did you end up there? Um, That's actually kind of a funny story. So I was actually raised a gator. Oh no. (laughs) I feel so bad for you. (laughs) And I still, I mean, as my father's side of family, they're all gators. Um, so there was that. So I didn't really, Georgia was not on my radar really. Yeah, Um, I get it. My dream school was UVA. Oh, interesting. I wanted to go to Virginia so badly. Yeah. I grew up Um, about an hour. I grew up about an hour from Charlottesville. Uh, Charlottesville is just the coolest town. Great town. Um, but it just worked out. I mean, the Hope Scholarship, you know, I Mm -hmm. went to school on the Hope Scholarship and, um, I was only three hours from home. Um, I don't know. I just, when I visited, um, I hadn't really grown up going to Athens. Um, but I went and stayed with some, um, friends from summer camp one weekend. And I just, I just, I had, had the feeling I was like, this is where I'm supposed to go. So, um, that's kind of how I ended up there. Now, when you went there, you, you, you majored in journalism. And so was your plan when you went there to always transition into the culinary space or did you have an eye on something else when you went? So I actually started out as a business major and then, cause I'd had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, a dream of mine would be to, you know, work in the culinary world, but I thought that meant you had to be a chef. Um, right. and I had always heard those hours were awful. Um, and I knew I wanted a family and like a regular nine to five job. So, um, after one class in accounting, I discovered that business school was not for me. Yep. That'll do it. (laughs) Um, my mom's actually, she's a a mortgage broker. So I was like, yeah, that's what my mom did. You know, I'll do it. And I was like, nope, not for me. So, um, I just, I've always loved to write. Um, and I actually, the, the, um, journalism school had magazines was like a focus. So, 
I oh, cool. um, focused on magazines because, I mean, I grew up re- reading Southern Living. So I was like, oh, maybe I can go work for them. Um, so after I graduated, I did the Southern Living internship program and um, was partnered with um, the food editor for Coastal Living magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, so that's the whole umbrella. There was Southern Living, Cooking Light, Coastal Living, um, all of those. And so it just, it was a blessing to be partnered with her. She's, I consider her a mentor, Julia Rutland. Um, it it kind of opened up a whole new world for me. I, I discovered that I can combine my love of writing and food um, and make that a career. So that's kind of how I entered into the food journalism world. Yeah. So then what was your path to, to New York? Like how, how, how did that materialize? Was that directly after the internship or did you get some guidance from her to say, this might be something that you might want to do if you want to keep going down this road? How did all that go? So it's, it was pretty competitive to get a job there at Southern Progress. Um, and I mean, anytime a job opening while well, I was an intern, anytime a job opening um, came up, I would apply for it. But I mean, gosh, it was so competitive. So I, contacted the human resources guy and told him that I wanted to, like really wanted to work there. And so he recommended that I go to culinary school so that I would also have like another edge to, you know, other people applying. So that's how I ended up at culinary school. And actually the day after I graduated, I called him up and I was like, okay, got my degree now. <laughs> Time to get me a job. So um, it actually worked out. I, I did. I ended up in the Oxmoor house test kitchen back in Birmingham. So. so, so how long was the culinary school journey? How many, how, how do, I'm not familiar with what that journey looks like. Is it a year? Is it a couple years? How long does it last? So what really attracted me to this program was it was less than a year. It was okay. kind of like fast track. Um, I don't know. People went to CIA basically to go the culinary Institute of America, um, up in Hyde park. That was another one I was looking at, but that was two year program. Um, and this one was like fast track. Um, I knew I didn't want to be a chef. So, plus, I mean, New York was so fun, but it's so expensive. So expensive, and yeah. so I was like, whatever I can do to, you know, take advantage of my time there and then go back to the South. And So, like, was it – you obviously grew up cooking and, and loving food and those things. What, what is the experience like to, I guess, go from being in a home cooking environment to then being in, like, a culinary school environment where you're learning – all the mechanics of how to work in an industrial kitchen, essentially. What is, what is that like? Oh, it was so fun. I would totally do it again. It was just, so it was French based. So we were learning Mm -hmm. French techniques. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I could apply as a home cook, what I had learned there. Plus I was a dork when it came to anything food related. Like I would come home from school and watch great chefs of the world. This is a show on PBS. And like, I mean, anything I could watch, I would. Where, meanwhile, like my friends are watching like 90210. It seems like it worked out just right. Cause you're living, you're living your passion. So I think, I think everything worked out just fine. Well, so then what, what is the, so then you go down to Birmingham, right? And how long did you spend there? And then what was the, what was the career transition from there? So I was in the test kitchen for about four years and it was so much fun. I tested recipes that other people had developed. I also developed my own recipes. Um, I ended up 
kind of doing food styling for the first time there, um, which has now become a big integral part of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happened like I can't remember if someone didn't show up or if they just needed an extra, you know, food stylist, but it was me. And I just, I mean, it was love at first sight. So it really worked out. So four years in the test kitchen. And then um, I wanted to try my hand at using more of my writing skills that I have from journalism school. So Mm -hmm. I transitioned over to the editorial side and was a cookbook editor for, I think it was about three years before I left. Um, And so that was fun. I basically came up with cookbook concepts or I would read book proposals and work with authors. Um, So basically from, beginning to end, my hand was in the, in the whole project. And one of my favorite things was working on Christmas with Southern living. Um, I grew up reading my mom's Christmas with Southern livings. And I think that was really fun to be able to be the editor of that. Yeah. That's awesome. So it Um, sounds like, it sounds like in a lot of ways, your background and story, you're perfectly built for this to create this cookbook, right? Like yeah. I feel like in so many I've been ways working on this for a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Like what a cool thing to kind of be able to put all that together and have all your passions converge into one place to, to create this. Um, well, so let me ask you this then, cause we're, we're obviously like a dog space podcast as you've gone throughout your journey. What, what has the university of Georgia meant to you and, and the city of Athens and, and just kind of what has, what has that experience meant to, I guess, foundationally to your, to your path as you've moved forward? Um, so one thing that I really took away from school, I mean, besides like it was the best four years ever. Yeah. Uh, just all the people that I made um, nowadays, like making connections is so important. And I'm still, I'm still like best friends with the girls I met at college and I've made some really great connections uh, through my career from other fellow UGA um, grads. It's just maintaining those relationships over the years has been really important. And um, also like the, the experience I got from, I mean, Grady school of journalism. I mean, it's one of the best in the country. So Mm -hmm. that really, I mean, I would not be where I am today without, you know, that degree. I don't think. Um, or the what I learned from those professors. So I think, including you, we've now had six guests that spent time at Grady at UGA, yeah. I mean, and we have school. been blown away with the quality of people that Grady is putting out. I mean, just not just successful in their professional endeavors, but good people and yeah. um, doing good things with the gifts they've been given, and um, just been really cool. And it, it's made. Because, you know, we're a sports folks podcast, and so we love the dogs and, and collegiate athletics and those things. But what the I think the interview series has done is given us such, a I think, more of a depth of adoration for the school in general and the quality of people that it's putting out into the world. Um, so it's cool. And so it's interesting that you talk about Grady that way, because that's been a, that's been a very common theme is the special folks coming out of Grady and the experiences that they had there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, so then you talked about your family being Gators. Like, so what's cocktail party weekend like for you now? Like, is it just. (laughs) So my freshman year, um, we, that was 2001. Okay. Yep. Or 2000. 
Uh, end of 2000, early 2001. Um, and we weren't great yet. Um, and I made the mistake of going to a tailgate at my grandparents' house and they had like the Gator Club over. <laughs> and uh, we, we lost and I did not hear the end of it. But then I think it was my junior year, we won. And so when my grandparents weren't home, we snuck over there and filled their entire living room with black and red balloons. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So we kind of have like a friendly rivalry. Um, I don't know. My family's still mostly um, Gator, except for my mom and dad. Like, I mean, they have to be yeah. on my side. They don't have any choice now. Right. Well, hey, they should be on your side the last three years because it's been good living. Yeah. So yeah, and I, and I hope and I hope it keeps going. So, well, that's awesome. Well, so all right, tell our listeners anywhere and everywhere they can get the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook. Okay, so um, of course there's Amazon, um, and then a lot of local bookstores, um, especially now during the pandemic. I would really suggest um, reaching out to your local bookstore. Um, you can also go on www dot dukes mayonnaise cookbook.com and that will be another way to find where you can get it because I, I think target also has it um, okay great it's not and hard to get what we'll do too is we'll we'll uh, put links in the show notes so if Perfect. you guys want to go and purchase the book you can and also uh, we're going to be posting some recipes um, that may work at a tailgate for everyone so yes. there's I think there are multiple after going through it but um, we're going to highlight at least a couple so um, we'll do that for sure so Ashley we want to close with you we do we close all our interviews with the smart 16 which is our kind of lightning round questions in honor oh, of, coach, of, okay. coach, of coach smart. So um, they're just fun. And okay. if you, and so, all right, first question is what's your middle name? Well, let's um, say that, what, what's your, what was your, what was your uh, maiden middle name? Trainer. Trainer. All right. Yeah. It's like Megan trainer. Yeah. That's we what I was going to distantly, distantly related. I don't y'all, know. Y'all might be cousins. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Who is your favorite dog? Like if there, if there's one, you know, player or even anybody that went to UGA that's gone to do things, who's your favorite dog, favorite person associated with UGA? Oh my gosh. That's a hard one. I got to say Herschel. Yeah. Just gotta Herschel. That's a good one. So that's great. a good one. All right. What's your favorite dog's game that you've ever attended? Um, the year we beat Tennessee when I was in college and we weren't supposed to, when we went down the field and tore apart the, uh, the end zone, it was pretty great. Oh yeah. That's awesome. All right. What of the, of all the dogs rivalries, which one is your favorite? Mm-hmm. Favorite. Like I love the team or I just don't like them at all. No, like I guess the, I guess how we usually frame it is what is like the rivalry weekend that you look forward to the most, like whether it's deep South soldiers rivalry with Auburn or whether it's cocktail party weekend with Florida or whether it's Tennessee. Weekend. All the way. Yeah. So it's really funny. Especially we, now. <laughs> we like kind of took a straw poll uh, amongst me and my co's when we started this thinking like, it's going to be, it's all going to be Georgia, Florida, right? Like that's what everybody's going to pick. And I would say that the overwhelming answer has been Georgia Auburn. It has been super. Really? 
Yeah, like I don't know. We've talked about this. I don't know if it's because of the geographic proximity or if because a lot of kids they go to high school with go to Georgia, if they grew up in or go to Auburn, if they grew up in like Southern Georgia and stuff. I don't know. But it's been really, really interesting. <laughs> it's been totally opposite of what we thought it would be. Okay. So uh, what is your favorite away stadium in the SEC if you had to pick one, whether it be Death Valley in Baton Rouge or Neyland in Tennessee or any of those? It's a tricky one. Well, my sister went to Ole Miss. Oh, that's a good one. So I, Oxford's pretty cool. So let's have a little sidebar here. Um, I haven't been to Oxford, but oh, cool. I, I always I always tell people it's my alternative alma mater because I got in there out of high school and it was just too far away from Virginia. My parents were like, no chance that yeah. you're going to go there. But <laughs> I, I have only heard phenomenal things about the Grove. Yeah, it's that. really fun. It's, co- it's cool that everyone's kind of concentrated in one spot. Um, tailgating's insane. That, so that's what I was going to ask. So I've heard like the tents, like we'll have chandeliers and stuff in them. Is it set yeah, up there like are that? Yeah, that do have chandeliers and stuff. Like it is, it is great. Oh, that's cool. That's on my list. Like that is on my away list for sure. Okay. What is your, what is the loudest home game you ever attended at Sanford stadium? Oh man. It's been a while. So I don't know if I can answer that. Hmm. I don't really know. Well, I feel like if if you guys rush the field at the Tennessee yeah, that's game, a pretty big one. That's got to be up and there. And then junior year, that was a big year for us. That was when I think we were ranked three. Yeah. So a lot of those games. Okay. You get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? Oh, yikes. Like any musical act you wanted, who would you have it be? at the Georgia theater in that cozy, awesome environment. <laughs> I really love Brandy Carlisle. I think that would be a good concert there. Yeah. Okay. What is the cocktail that you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Um, I just love gin and tonics. So gin and tonic or Aperol spritz. Those are kind of my two go-tos. So I'm a big gin and tonic fan myself. And my wife bought me this gin. That's bulldog gin. And the bottle is sh- the bottle is shaped like a, it's awesome. You got to get and it's good gin. So right. yeah, you got to look for that. It's awesome. Okay. All right. If you are in Athens and you've only got one meal, where are you going? What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? Last resort. Last resort. That's that's been a popular one. I love it there. Okay, so usually this question is game day superstition. Well, let's do that. Let's do because I, I want to ask you a follow up one. What, what what do you have any game day superstitions? Like wear the same outfit or have like a pair of earrings that you always wear or, or a set of pearls or anything like you have any type of superstition you have to do it for dogs game day i'll have to wear red and black for sure um there was this one year where i wore we were doing great and then i wore this one shirt to two games and we lost both of those games so that shirt is no longer in my wardrobe <laughs> i love that just that's, in case. Yep. That's fantastic. We had um we had Ray Fulcher on a couple of episodes back and he said, I start the season with a polo, and as long as they're doing good, I keep the polo. But if something goes wrong, that polo gets hidden in the back of the closet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, these things are important. They sure are. I mean, I'm the same way. I love it. Okay. What's your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? Whether it be dog walk, lone trumpet. Um, Larry Munson coming over and, and kind of voicing the dogs coming in, in any of those things. It's totally the trumpet. I mean, that like, it, it still gives me chills. It's yeah. the best. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. What a cool thing. I wonder, um, so I guess they generally get seven to eight kids a year that get to do that. I'm not sure what an honor that must be to be able to do that, like a cool thing. I love when they take the picture and like uh, Georgia Athletics post it on Instagram now of them up in the corner. Like, I don't know. It's just such a neat neat thing. Um, Black jerseys, yes or no? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I don't really, I mean... (laughs) I may know the answer to this because it's been it's been almost the same answer for everybody. But what is the dog's loss that you're still not over? Oh, okay. This is a good story. So, oh, I'm here for this. <laughs> I was living in Birmingham, working in the test kitchen, and I was surrounded by Alabama fans. I didn't really feel one way or the other about Alabama fans until I lived in Birmingham. And now I can't stand them. Uh, my boss, I love her, but her choice in football team is not the best. <laughs> um, she's a huge Alabama fan. So it was, I was working there and I made the trek to Athens when Alabama played us. I can't remember when this was, but we were like r- ranked really high and it was a blackout game. Oh, I oh I know that was the worst game ever. So I was there like pumped up, and um, came back and um, to when we had lost, and I came back on Monday and didn't hear the end of the night the lights went out in Georgia from my boss. (laughs) That's definitely Uh, the worst game. (laughs) Oh yeah, that that was a bad one. That was a bad bad one. We had, um, I can't remember which we had, a, we had one of the former players on, I'm trying to think which one talked about it, but played in that game and talked about it and said it was just awful. Like they felt good going into it, felt like they had a good game plan and then the doors just got blown off and yeah, yeah we just were it. too cocky, I think. And, yeah. You know, it, yeah. It is happens. what it is. All right. What's your order at the varsity? You know, it's been a lot of years since I've ordered something from there. <laughs> it's it's my it's my Atlanta airport stop. Yes, that's the last time I had it. Yeah, that's that's when I get it because I I generally try to fly through Atlanta if I can so I can get a little pop in because I'm just not in it. I'm not in Atlanta a ton, um, and when I'm in Athens, it's generally not where I stop. But I do love me some varsity. Yeah, just a good old cheeseburger. <laughs> Yeah, I have to get an FO. I I love me a frosted orange. Like yeah. generally cold drinks and like I love granita, like as like a, a cold snack, like stuff like that I love. There's so with a little side note story for you. That's about it's kind of a travel food thing. My wife and I lived in the north end of Boston for grad school. Okay. Uh and loved it. And there is this magnificent um Italian specialty store called Polcari's Coffee. Okay. And It's where we got all our coffee, all of our spices, and this guy, Bobby, owns it now, and he's awesome, and they have this big green cylinder, and in the summertime, they make lemon slushies that go in the green cylinder, and they sell them for $1, and it is the greatest thing that you will ever have in your life, so... If you ever find yourself in the summertime on Salem Street, make your way to Polkari's okay. Coffee and get you a lemon slush. It'd be totally got it. worth it. Okay. <laughs> and we got okay. we got in with we got in with Bobby because like we shopped there all the time because we live in the neighborhood, and so he knew I was just in love with the lemon slushes. And he'd be like, some days he'd be like, "You want me to make you an adult one?" <laughs> so he'd take it in the back and throw something special in there for me. So I always nice. appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> so do that the next time you're in town. Okay. Okay. 
This one is, uh, there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no? Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how we feel. There's not enough tailgate time. All right. Um, college football playoff, expand to eight teams or find how it is right now with four. Oh, that's kind of a tough one. I kind of like, I think the way it is now is good. Yeah. So I go back and forth on this. I, I love that it's four cause it's, it's a playoff, but it's also, it's still something to get in. And I get nervous that if it was eight, it wouldn't be good on the flip side. I do think it'd still be awesome to have like a one versus eight matchup. And then sometime the eight might upset the one. I just, I don't know something crazy like that would kind of be neat, but I'm good either way. I'm just happy. There's an actual playoff and I'm good with yes, that. Yes, totally. All right. So we're going to do something a little different with you. Usually that's the end, but I can't have somebody who like loves food and is passionate about food and not ask you like, what's your go-to, what's your go-to dish that you're bringing to the tailgate when you go? Um, deviled eggs for sure. Oh, you got to have deviled eggs. That's a good one. So I'm I'm really glad you said that because I wanted to tell you this because I have you on for the cookbook and I love cookbooks. I think they're just, I don't know. I love the stories that are in them. I love the journey that you can go through with the food. Well, my grandmother who passed last summer for Christmas one year, she hand wrote all of her recipes in the, in this little red journal ah. cookbook and she gave it to my sister and I for Christmas. Oh, that's so neat. It is just a beautiful gift. And one of the recipes that I use all the time, I will not make them any other way is her deviled eggs recipe in the book. And you want to know the cool thing. It's like such a grandma thing in the book by the recipe. She'll write good or the show, right? So good. Two underlines. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, I, have, I have a cookbook like that for my grandmother. It's like needs more, you know, something. Yeah, more. exactly. This is okay. Yeah. That's, that's how it is. Like I just, um, it's just such a treasure, but so, wow, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with us. And thank you for all the work you did on the Duke's mayonnaise cookbook. Uh, my family has loved it so far and we certainly want all our listeners to go out and get it. It's, it's good for any occasion, whether it's a, a dog's tailgate or, or a post-game dinner celebrating a dog's win. So, um, Ashley, thank you so much and, and I hope, wish you all the success and hope, hope, that there's no more Duke's Mayonnaise cookbooks on the shelves after the next month's over with. <laughs> Thanks so much. It was so fun talking to you. All right. Thank you. That wraps up our interview with Ashley. Boss, what were your thoughts? Just as always, I mean, Grady keeps pumping them out, man. Uh, just great people. First and foremost, uh, great, great person. Just a great interview. I love the dynamic of really, you know, both of us are avid readers. So, but learning how to, the, the ins and outs, especially from a cookbook perspective, like how you go about learning, learning how you go about to get a cookbook when it's such a, it, it Duke's is a brand, you know? So how you go about that, you know, do you approach them? Do you, you know, have these recipes in mind? Like, and, and mayonnaise, like, you know, it's such a, like, it's a condiment. You don't think about the cooking aspect with mayonnaise as much as, you know, you just slap it on a burger, you slap it on a sandwich, you know, stuff like that. And the recipes are just, I mean, they're amazing. So, I mean, I've, we've tried, I think now 11 of the 75 since um, this has come up. So, and we've had zero complaints with any of them and it's not stuff you think about either. So, it was just, it was absolutely amazing. The stuff that we learned while doing our research on this. And then, like I said, man, Grady just keeps pumping them out. I mean, the fact that they're not 
advertising this more. And we mentioned this before when we were, when we had previous interview guests, it just, it just blows my mind. I don't get it, but I mean, she was lovely. Uh, I wish her nothing but the best in the future and I'll keep uh, looking forward to her next cookbook. If she decides to go that route. Yeah, that's a great point about Grady. We have just been so overly impressed with the folks that we've talked to that have come out of Grady. I mean, just, just awesome people and people with great stories. And I think, even bigger than that is just people following their passions, right? Like finding what's in their heart and what they love and then going after that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a big part of that story. I also just love some of the stories she told about being a dog, like her, you know, her family's uh, all gators. And I just love the story she told about uh, going to her grandparents' house and filling the house up with balloons balloons after the dog's (laughs) beat. I mean, that like was laugh out loud funny. I thought that was fantastic. Um, also, I'm probably a little biased, too, because she's my new quasi-neighbor. She lives in the Charleston area as well. So um, just want to trumpet her stuff as much as possible. And I, to your point, I, she couldn't have been much kinder um, and gracious hanging out with us and, and telling her stories. And the proof's in the pudding, folks. I mean, Boss has been making them. My family's been making them. All the recipes have been awesome. And the families, you know, look, Boss and I got 775 kids. So uh, ain't, <laughs> ain't, ain't none of them complained about it and they're all eating it. So I think that's that's testimony in and of itself about how good the recipes are. And I mean, come on, y'all. She's a dog. So get that darn cookbook and, and get it on your shelves and support her every way you can. So, again, uh, her, her Instagram handle, go follow her and support her there is at Ashley Strickland Freeman. We will link that in our show notes as well as all the places that you can buy the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook. Uh, she's constantly posting stuff on her website recipe or on her Instagram recipes. Um, I mean, she does beautiful work with that too. Like uh, she's done a bunch of food styling work and it shows with her Instagram content, like just beautiful pictures makes you want to eat. I'll be sitting at work or something like that or on the weekend scrolling something like, well, I guess I'm going to have to cook tonight because Ashley's just putting the fire out there. So um, yeah, we uh, we certainly enjoy talking with her and, and we will wish her nothing but the best in the future and know based off what we learned talking to her that she's going to keep reaching for the stars. So uh, thank you so much to Ashley for coming on and go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.